Welcome, everybody, to The Ground Beneath Grace. My name is Jonathan Thomas, and super excited tonight. Uh, Joey, you're here? Yes, I'm here, Joey Walter. And very excited we're moving up in the world. Yes. We have a guest. Yes. Our first, our, our first guest. Our guest is Wade Poe. He is one of the ministers at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. So we're hitting three time zones this week. We are. <laughs> And so Wade, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about before, um, kind of the format that we do. So really what I think we should do with every guest host is start off with your views on abortion, gun control, and the death penalty. So if you go ahead and start with that. You bet. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Multiple choice, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> that was True. the joke that Joey wanted. That, that's Joey. <laughs> I wanted to. I thought he, that up yesterday. That was my big grand joke. To start he with. wrote that in there. <laughs> Light Beautiful. topics for the podcast, The Ground Beneath Grace. Um, easy stuff. Yeah, yep. easy stuff. Uh, so for those of you, again, who have been following along with The Ground Beneath Grace, you know that I've mentioned several times this incredible book that is for sale for $4.99 on Amazon called God's Door is Always Open. And Joey Walter is the author, but this is co-written with Wade Poe, who this is, who is in our multi-time zone studio tonight. <laughs> so Wade, have you written any other books since then? Or I'm not sure. Are you, are you multi-authored-ish? No, I've got an article or two published in some trade journals from way back in the day, but uh, that's not my forte usually. That's, well, that's. Like I like to say, you know, there's plenty of, of copies available for <laughs> pushing them, but it is great to have published authors. I think that's great. A lot of times people say, well, what are your credentials? And I always refer to that uh, scripture of the disciples in Acts, where when the religious leaders looked at them, they realized that they were uneducated men, but they had been with Jesus. So they kind of, so if there's anything great that comes out of my mind, people should just go like, wow, there's really got to be a God because that guy is too stupid to think of that on his own. So that's how I feel um, a bit. So tonight we're, well, I think we're kind of going into uh, part two of what we talked about last week. And it's kind of this in the world, but not of it, living the world different from the world. Um, there is that definite tension for sure. And so um, you know, Wade, we're going to look to you a little bit tonight. Um, I know you stir some good conversation. We'll probably, uh, have some questions of our own, but I think if the, if I read the topic correctly, it's, it's about media, you know, this pandemic time, but that sometimes out, there are outside forces that shape our minds. It shapes our community, etc. Um, I did take a look at the scripture that you kind of pulled out Proverbs always, you know, fantastic for insight and wisdom. And Proverbs, uh, you had written, I think this was uh, Proverbs 4.23, and I just really got sucked into the entire chapter, so I couldn't just stick on uh, 23, but keep your hearts with all vigilance, for from it will flow the springs of life. So diligence probably is part of that. Um, so tell us a, a little bit, um, media, is it? make a difference for us today? Well, it's, it's changed completely how people think and uh, about themselves, about the world around them, uh, how they perceive things, even from moment to moment. And I think that the, the passage from Proverbs where 
he says to, to guard your hearts. It's not a passive thing. It's, it's one of those things where you've got to be aware of the fact that it's not a, a neutral world. Um, and most poignant to me in Proverbs is when the writer says that he's assuming that people already have a developed worldview and that they need to guard that developed worldview, which is focusing on God against things that would come against it. And uh, media these days, especially social media, but all media and the interactions that we have with people in and around the water cooler on Zoom or whatever it is, uh, we're just constantly inundated with information. Young people these days, I think studies show they're, they're very much more uh, sophisticated in terms of knowledge. They have no one to guide them into choosing how, um, how to think about things, uh, how to be critical thinkers, um, just, just that whole uh, dynamic of how information flows, how our minds develop. And um, I, I taught sociology at a local university for 16 years. And um, it's just very eye-opening to me watching almost two generations of college students come and go. How many of them just were uh, just taking whatever was given to them, uh, didn't process it a whole lot and whatever got their attention the most whether it was just uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, someone who scared them, someone who impressed them. Uh, yeah. Well, don't make choices based on thinking things through a lot. That's interesting. I think uh, so part of at least Pacific Crest Church in our, our value system, you know, we have this identity that we're trying to work out of and around. We call our little motor. And um, one of those things is how the sent people of God interact with the town. And, you know, of course, we see Jesus do this. He's always going amongst, you know, the people in the town. And so when you're talking there a little bit about there's this fire hose of information that people get and sent people of God bring about this holy discernment, this, this thing that allows us to consider what we have. Um, even like this Proverbs in the writer says, hey, in the beginning is wisdom. So get wisdom. <laughs> You know, whatever you get, get insight. And you're right. There are so many different things coming at you so many different ways. Squeakier will, the uh, cause, you know, the, the greatest, you know, social justice movement, you know, and those things are great. There still needs to be some holy discernment, things that are on God's plane um, versus based off the world. We talked about this last week and I did a horrible illustration. So I'll back up and try to re recreate that. It's as if God's on one plane. And so we keep the world on a, it's in a separate plane, whether we're above it spiritually or below it, but whatever plane or whatever movement the world takes, we don't necessarily maintain the holy discernment plane. We then, if the world dips, we dip along it. We're still above it, but, but we now are doing things that a while ago would have been on the same plane as the world. Mm -hmm. So even in that, I mean, how do you think, you think that the church over the years, and we've all probably gone to church more than 10 or 20, but in that time frame, you know, has the church suffered from a lack of holy discernment? Yeah, we track where the world tracks typically. I, th I think for decades in America, especially people felt like the majority of the population were Christian in some loose sense. And then, um, they, they felt so confident with that, that they, they took their eyes off of where they were going. And so the, the, 
larger mass of society began to move in different directions, they kind of tracked along at a similar pace and um, didn't pay attention to, you know, where are we going? We're no longer leading the way. We're no longer uh, the, the watcher on the wall, as it were, reminding people what we're doing. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think I think y'all both nailed it um, for the way I see it as well. One of the things, you know, we have a 17-year-old daughter and um, continually inundated with uh, social media and um, just an online presence, I guess you could say. And, you know, in the past, when she was a little bit younger, we had to really work on separating like reality from what she reads or sees online sometimes. And yeah, it's a huge, huge influence. And I had to, you know, I had some really difficult, you know, conversations with, you know, there's all these people on YouTube that she would follow and um, watch their videos. And, but, you know, we're like, but they're, they're a character. It's not necessarily really who that person is. And just that small piece, I mean, I think fits in with, with what y'all are saying in terms of, yeah, where the worldview is compared to uh, the church. We're involved in, in emotionalism way more than I ever expected we would be at this point, that um, emotions and feelings drive and, and choose what we discern as is important or how we interpret the moment we're in. I remember going to uh, Sam's Wholesale Club here a few years ago, um, just got up in the morning and, and I, I looked, you know, kind, kind of like this right now, dressed up for work, et cetera, and the lady checking me out. This is like eight o'clock in the morning. And she said, you know who you look like? And I said, no. And she said, she kind of smiled. She said, you look like Jesus. And I laughed. I said, well, thank you. She said, oh, no, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And I uh, just walked away and didn't think much about it. About a month later, I walk into Sam's again early in the morning. And my hair is, is uh, not looking great. I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt. And it's kind of hot out. And um, I go to the same checker again. I see her there. And... Uh, she stops and says, do you know who you look like? What do you look like? And I thought, here we go. It's Jesus again. He said, a professional wrestler. And I thought, <laughs> okay, that's awesome. So when the, uh, when the circumstances change, there, there's just a little bit of a tweak on interpretation. And it just depends on whatever is hitting us at that moment, how I looked, how she felt, all sorts of things like that. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Because um, Joey will let you know that Jesus did not have blonde hair, blue eyes. So you know, <laughs> not right. not from not from where I come from. I don't believe. I well, I say I shouldn't say not where I come from. I just don't believe that he did or he does. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I would I would wager if I did, uh, you're probably right. So this is really interesting because, you know, we we it's like culture is kind of been transformed. Okay. We do act more uh, imp impulsed on uh, emotion, you know, and, and, and this is a feeling truth. Of course, you know, if we go back to the nineties or so, there was this really big thing called postmodernism. Um, you know, of course the modernism empirical evidence, you know, we, we had a generation of people, Hey, you walk off this bridge. Well, okay. You're an authority and you tell me to do that. And I'm going to do that. Um, historically right even in i think our american culture history we we found out there's corruption in authority 
And so what was true was not really, it really was not true. We, there were people in authority and they were lying and just sort of that span of that. Then all of a sudden it was, well, it might be bad for you now, but that's not me. So as long as it doesn't harm anybody. And then all of a sudden it's really of uh, the, the evolution of the process of truth today, I guess I, I even look back at like when Jesus was standing for before Pilate and he's, he's telling him that he's the truth and Pilate's like truth. What is truth? So it's, it's not a new thing, but we've definitely evolved into this place where emotion, we're emotionally driven people. So we have a group of people younger who are making decisions based off of their feelings, as long as it's not hurting anybody. And that that's probably a whole nother conversation because <laughs> ultimately not truth of something is very harmful. Um, but what, how do we really sort of break through in this, not in the world, not of the world, the world's got emotion. We are emotion. We have heart, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, your soul. I think somewhere in there, that's those two parts, um, your head and your heart. <laughs> how do we work with folks who have a lot of heart, um, in generations today? How do we heal that gap? How do we lead in that gap? Um, to restore the fullness of this whole love the Lord, your God with all of it, not just part of it. Right. For, for me, it's demonstrating it to people, how you respond differently to whatever hot topic comes up, uh, whatever events happen, um, large and small that, you know, we, we show that we're, we're balanced. It's Ephesians four kinds of things where Paul says that Jesus gave gifts to the church and when those gifts are at work and people are, are working together, then we're no longer tossed back and forth like a boat on the, on the sea. Uh, but instead, you know, the worst things can happen, but we're still solid in our hope, solid in our faith uh, that we have something better. It's just one of those things where I've seen where you, you've got to demonstrate it to people who get very excited about things. Uh, let them be excited for a little bit. Let them talk about their stuff. And then, um, in, in the course of that relationship, help them unpack, ask those uh, Socratic questions. You know, why do you think that? Where did that come from? And um, give them a framework through the questions uh, that helps them understand where they're coming from. Because lots of times people don't, they, they just have um, contradictory beliefs held in their head at the same time. They know there's cognitive dissonance between their experiences and the groups of people they hang out with, but they're not quite sure what to do with it, except just talk one way with one group, one way with another group. And so when they're around the body of Christ, they're around people who are consistent. Um, they can see a different way of thinking. Yeah. Joey, I mean, jump in here anytime, but you know, way you got me, you know, turning my wheels here. Um, I would say this is something a lot of churches and people, you know, Jesus people who are wanting to disciple. I mean, we have to give, some time and space for that. Not like I do it or the emotion part, um, to get it out so that you can discern and come along with it. And that would be a critique that I would have. And many times in the church is we want almost that, you know, empirical evidence. We, we, you have, Oh, you don't get that right now. No, I want to dance. Well, first off, there's no dancing and that's where you have to start. First off, there's no of this. And like, I don't, I don't speak that because this is where I am. And we, if we are to disciple people, one, we have to be doing what Jesus said so that others can observe it. 
But I think we have to stick around long enough through some of those things. If we're mature, if we believe we're mature, we need to be able to, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Did you ever know big Don Williams? Do you ever know that oh, yeah. guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Big mentor of mine way back in the days in the seventies. So, um, and I remember talking to him one time, I just started in youth ministry. I was having a lot of time with these kids and I'm like, big Don, they just don't get it. I mean, I just trying to do this and here they are challenging everything. And he said, you know, um, I've been doing this for a while. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're like ancient. Uh, he said, uh, and so sometimes, you know, when you get ahead of someone and you think you have a place to lead them, it doesn't always do you really any good to turn around and start yelling at them, telling them to come to where you are. What sometimes is better to do is to walk back to where they are and then take them alongside of you to get to the point to where you think they need to be. Chances are, you know, he said, one, you walk with them, but two, you probably won't be in the same spot you were when you're yelling at them. And so that was really profound to me. And it just takes time. And so you just hit like a chord. If, if the, the young people are the love that, you know, we believe that they are for, for church now and, and for tomorrow, we have, we have to have patience <laughs> to journey along with folks. I don't think it's this shake the dirt off your feet because they hated you. That is a, an abuse of that scripture. Definitely for sure. Um, it takes time. And, and I would say sometimes probably, we really need to rely on that hospitality of that life in order to bring the peace of God nearer, nevertheless. Right. Yeah. The rich young ruler uh, came to Jesus and was very excited about this new teacher he'd found and wanted to know what, what do I need to do? I've done all these other things. Yeah. And he walked away and sad. And the scripture doesn't say that Jesus told his disciples to, to run, get that guy's name and phone number and email so I can send him a card. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, he let him go and he loved him. It said, um, you know, in my mind, I like to think that, that later on, maybe the rich young ruler uh, realized who he was. We don't know that for sure, but just the action though, that he, he let him go and gave him the space in which to choose. And I think lots of times, like you just said, we, we want to shove rules and, uh, that kind of thing into people and tell them, you know, this is the right thing. And, and it's, it's ignorance on the part of, of those of us who go through those pharisaical phases. I remember I was a youth minister for 10 years back in the, uh, I guess it was the nineties. I can't remember. Yeah. 90s. <laughs> and uh, I remember poignantly one evening on a uh, Wednesday night, I think it was a young man who we had worked with for a while to get to come to something came to our class and he walked in the front door wearing a Budweiser shirt and, um, probably something his mom or somebody got for him. Joey, was, was that, was that you, Joe? <laughs> oh, only because I wasn't in a youth group in the night. <laughs> but one of our older gentlemen caught him right there at the door and dressed him down and just said, young man, you, you should not wear that kind of shirt ever. And you should never wear it in God's house. And um, the young fella turned out, turned around, walked out the door and never came back. And, uh, fortunately I had his phone number and I called him and said, Hey man, I I saw from across the lobby, what happened over there. I didn't get a chance to get to you. He's like, it's fine. It's, it's, it's okay. And, um, he never did come back around to our building. He's hung out with us and, uh, he's somebody who still orbits, uh, 
people I knew back then who were Christians. Um, and, and that's just, that's the story of a lot of kids that I knew yeah. back in the nineties who they, they, uh, they, they took the long way around. Lots of them who left God um, here now in their forties are coming back and saying, Hey, you know, let's talk about some of those things. And, and now we're having rich conversations about stuff that, because life is hitting them. Uh, they can't escape some of the big questions. They can't escape some of the realities that have hit them with divorce and money and disease. And now they want to know, and they're not turned away because several of us didn't turn them away at the door and say, don't wear that shirt. Yeah. Uh, Joey, we talked about this. What, um, you know, there's that door, that's something that exists that separates, um, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, we've all been, I think, going to church for a long time. Now, I think what we're doing now is being more in the story, the narrative of Jesus is what I like to call it. Um, what are some of the things not to be hypercritical of church, but what makes a better narrative and the story of Jesus in today's culture than just going to church? That's a good question. You know, I, I feel like, you know, something that Wade said earlier about, um, you know, how basically Christians, how important it is to show, um, paraphrasing, but, you know, showing love, um, even when people come at us with, you know, like really hard questions, I feel like, um, I feel like now that people just seem angrier than they were what, you know, 20 years ago. And I think, I think it's important, even though, even if they are and they come to us and I, you know, I feel like a lot of non-Christians will test Christians in the same way. I mean, that situation with, uh, that Wade was talking about with, uh, with the, the young man that was, uh, wearing that shirt and, you know, in the eighties, when I was in youth group, I had a bunch <laughs> of, uh, Eddie Murphy Gumby t-shirts that I was chastised for. Um, <laughs> I still went to church. Uh, luckily, uh, I got through it. Um, but I think it is important to, you know, to, you know, and, and Wade, we've talked about this a few times. This is kind of another one of the things that makes Joey angry. Um, I guess it's more of a pet peeve, but like, you know, if you see um, an article online or Facebook, especially if it's a public page, like if it's a newspaper or something, and they show a story about uh, a church that's doing something, then you've got, I mean, you'll have the first five or six comments. Oh, that's great. Blah, blah, blah. Then you got the, the first person that says, all oh, those people still believe in fairy tales or, um, or something along those lines. And well, what about the church that, um, you know, embezzled money or whatever, you know, there's always yeah. those. So I feel like those are little tests and it's, and when you talk in Proverbs, uh, in Proverbs four, I'm getting old. I can't see, I think it's verse 26. It's the second to last one. Uh, give careful thought uh, to the past for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. I think that's really important for Christians to remember is, you know, stay on the path. There's going to be things that happen. You know, like Wade was saying with life events with people who uh, may not have, uh, you know, a strong relationship with the church or with Jesus, but as Christians, it's still, it's for me, it's still powerful when you see people who are tested 
who have something that goes wrong, who there's a death in the family and they still are at church that next week or whatever. And they, you know, so I just think that's important to remember just to stay steadfast. I think that's a great yeah. scripture as well. And, and to have mercy on people who, um, is it Jude who says be merciful to those who doubt, um, in, in Colossians, Paul, you know, says to, to stay grounded and rooted in Christ. Don't be, um, taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies. And um, when I was growing up, it was like, be angry with those people who have been taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies. Right. Now I'm like, man, I feel sorry for these people. They don't know what kind of hole they've gone down. And, um, you know, Paul tells Timothy to take a long time to talk to those people who, who oppose you, uh, because just by your very actions and how you spend the time with them, you may win them over and you don't know. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do we have to know, like you mentioned the, the, the rich young man, or we don't know. I know what we want to know, how we want to see it, but at the end of the day, God knows that's what's important. And, and man, are we uh, in a great place to really bring not criticism, um, but really this, um, the, the fullness of our, the heart, which we still, I think have, I hope. And then also the, that holy discernment that comes in and says, you know, there, there's a, there's a bigger story here and it doesn't toss us back and forth. It gives us a firm foundation. And, you know, we, that's where we use all those nice little songs, you know, the wise man built his house on the rock. Sometimes I sing on these podcasts and that's just a, that's just a freebie there. Um, and as a kid, you think like, oh yeah, what does that really mean? You know, foolish man on the sand, but there's wisdom, you know, she is important and we, you know, have this st stress on this. Um, and I guess that's where we have it. We have churches that sometimes just focus more. They, they like, Hey, we know it all. They don't really have the heart of it all. And right. Jesus then critiques that you know, you looked at the scriptures all day long and you think that I was there and you missed it because I'm here. And so um, there's, there's definitely, if we could bring these two things better into sync together with this head and this heart, I think this is where then we have something to, uh, my challenge would be to offer to the young people to let them know they have something to offer us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that they, uh, they definitely do. They've got, I mean, if nothing else, they've got energy that I don't have these days, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but they definitely have, um, you know, one amazing thing they've got is this field that's wide into harvest all around them. And I think that lots of times uh, they're not equipped because we haven't equipped them uh, to, to see that they're, they've, at least the ones I've been around, a lot of people grew up thinking, well, that the real win is to get your friend to come to church or go to yeah. youth or whatever, and, and never to have a conversation with the person about, do you know God? Do you know, you know, we've learned all the songs, but we haven't necessarily put it in practice. It's like the, you know, the, the trip back home after the youth rally is when you kind of wipe off all the stuff you got there at the youth rally and the, your last emotional night, you're done with that. You go back to school Monday and then you're, you know, it's back, back to normal. I was sitting in the office with the co-worker I guess it was the day before yesterday and we were uh she she and I were talking about classes coming up soon and um I can't remember the reference but um somehow the song 
Oh, once there were three wandering Jews came up. Y'all remember that song from days? Yeah, past? yeah. I, I, I don't know that I could sing that one, but I do remember it. Yeah, and so both of us were trying to figure out. Oh, once there were three wandering what Jews, wandering, wandering, Jew, Jew, Jew. And I thought, is this playfully anti-Semitic here? I'm not quite <laughs> sure. Yeah. And so we had to, to we had to sit down and figure out. And it was, oh, it's about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and how we just totally lost. Um, connection with you know it's a faith story song that we learned when we were kids yeah that tells a great story but um we didn't continue that uh, link of chains or chain links growing together through life and so yeah sometimes you gotta you know put some wd-40 on those chains and get them a little <laughs> less rusty and get them moving again and yeah well we get into that christianese and yeah. we do it here i've listened to our podcast and as well as we like to not you know i'm like oh man that is that is squeaky what what you're saying here these are these are rusty thoughts like even widen the harvest you know harvest what do we what are we harvesting here um i'm not a farmer uh unless it's on some video game or something like that uh, but yeah it's it's funny we we throw out those things um yeah, we were talking specifically about this. And so Joey, I'll call you out. Like last week I made some sort of old reference and then you're like, okay, boomer. And you have that nice, <laughs> did I do that right? Okay, boomer. I think so. Yeah. And I was well, thinking I'm to myself, too. okay, like who, who did they, who's boomer? I don't even know that I knew that one. Is that the <laughs> boomer? So I didn't know if that was a reference to something or not, but I thought, that's no, what those guy. kids say. That's what is it? <laughs> yeah. Do they say that? I've never heard that before. So I guess I'm completely out of it on the other side. But uh, yeah. So yeah. So how do we um, bring in? You know, not the the Christianese, but again, we have to retell this story. I think there's a value. If we talked about raise my Ebenezer, you know, it's not just some old guy, but what's behind this rock, this stone? Oh, there's the phone. Um, <laughs> Hello. Nope, they're not available right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm I'm answering a call I don't even have. So um if we if we take the time to tell the story, one of the future guests that I'd like to have on, you know, the podcast um is a, a former student of mine from long ago. Um he was a part of a camp ministry that I I did down in Portland area. His name is Jake Dobrens and he has started a podcast. And it's called the Bible, but funnier. <laughs> he's in Oklahoma right now. And so he's just trying to retell these stories, reintroduce some of these things in a new, fresh way. Very creative. Uh, Theophilus Media, I think. Theophany Media. I'll have to check that out or when he can explain it. But I just love that. He's, there was a time where I think, oh, you can't say that because you're, you're a heretic if you don't use the right words. But Jesus did a lot of that. Matthew says, as a matter of fact, he didn't say anything without telling a story. And I love that. Mm -hmm. So again, it's just bringing this passion, merging it together, and yet then being able to say, you know, when you, um, well, I like to do this sometimes, somebody will tell me one of those fun, freeloading stories of something very emotional. And then I get to go, wow, you know what, that reminds me of Jesus. And right. what he said, and then I just shut up and I don't try to tell them, but I leave them thinking like, what did I just say that made that guy sound like I sound like what Jesus said. And there's a curiosity, maybe there's not, but I've had that follow-up conversations before. Like, Hey, you mentioned the other day, what was that? And then I go, 
well, and you speak into this compassion thing. But yet when he spoke into that, when he left, people followed him. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just telling a good story. People then wanted to become like him. He went to where they were, but then they go, yeah, thanks for that. But they, we know there's something more in any, however it is, you lead that into it. So super valuable and uh, oiling those old chains again. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's helping people connect with the larger story, the meta narrative of life that is really real. Uh, I think that's why our, our, our culture so loves, like when Star Wars comes out with a new movie, people rush to see it. Uh, there are people who memorize, um, you know, how the, the storyline of the Lord of the Rings or uh, even, what was it, the um, Game of Thrones, all yeah, that, that The new language. Yeah, they did the, they memorized the language. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but they, they, they love the story. They, they love to plug into those those uh, other realities because they love a big story. Yeah. And, um, if you if you read and explore uh, how writers come up with movie scripts and books and whatnot, they know how to write a story. I mean, there's there's formulas for it uh, to end a certain way, to have a certain peak, certain valley, etc. And um, you know, like you just said, Jesus was all about that and yeah. knew how to talk to people in in language they understood. And uh, I've I've heard people in the past say, "Don't dumb down." church language don't dumb down the gospel. And I, and I look at Philippians two and I don't, I don't see how God, we would say dumb things down quite a bit from heaven to here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. We've got to follow his example. I mean, you got to go where the people are, even people in church I've found over the years. Last week I had a, a guy I've known for probably two decades now texted me just out of the blue late one night. He said, man, I just, I saw this great uh, video the other day and had a great message. And it said, God wants us to come to him as we are. And I was waiting for him to finish. And he said, isn't that great? And I thought, you don't know that that's new to you. You're 50 and you don't know that. I didn't say that to Mm -hmm. him, Mm -hmm. but it, it, it reminded me afresh that not everybody even though they're around the words all the time, they've not connected that their story to that story. Yeah, that man, that happens a lot. And, and, and so for someone who has been going to church my whole life, uh, one of our rhythms at Pacific Crest church is to not have the traditional looking church every Sunday. So we offer some other event things that happen on Sunday, you know, gathering together is very important. We think that, um, but one of our Sundays, the last Sunday is called table to table. And it really is shaped out of, uh, Matthew nine, uh, Luke, uh, 12, but, uh, especially in Matthew nine, where Jesus goes to, um, Matthew and says, follow me, you know, and so he gets up from his table and he follows Jesus. But the very next verse, it says, while they were at Matthew's house or Levi's house, while they were there. And that really hit me because I thought, wait a minute, uh, he's Jesus just said, follow him. But Jesus followed Matthew to his house, to his place. And um, that just really kind of captured me. So we do something called table to table. 
it is for the church to stop asking people to come to where we are, and it is for us to go to where they are. It is the church becomes vulnerable, not the stranger becomes vulnerable. Um, when you're in someone else's house compared to your house, like I feel comfortable now. If I had to bring my kids over to your house, I'd be like, don't touch this. Don't do this. Don't, you know, here's my rules plus their rules. And then Jesus's rules or whatever, just sit there in the corner and don't touch anything. It's very nervous. And so can you imagine when someone comes into a church building? So table to table is about, um, it's about people. I I get a lot of people say, oh, my church is I'm in my garden and I'm picking out flowers. I'm like, well, that might be worshipful but it's not church because church is about people. So unless you get someone else in the garden. Um, so it's about people, but it is about um, the, the, the narrative of God, the story of God, uh, redemptive pur- purpose of, of being amongst people. So we're going to be with people We're we're going to be about the story of God that we get to be a part of. It's going to include worship. And, and for me, that's just not plucking on a guitar or singing a hymn or doing whatever. It's about getting to the point where you get to hug the neck of God. That's my, my short version of it. Anyhow, I was out and about, and I came across these two ladies at a winery um, near where I work. And so they were sitting there and they looked at me, they knew that I was, you know, minister guy. And they looked, they said, Hey, don't you have church today? I said, well, yeah, but not like, you know, maybe you're probably familiar with. And so I kind of went through some of the things that I wanted to do um, what we talk about in being church. And so, you know, it's, it's about one another listening. It's about God's story and being invited into that. It's about worship, just getting to that place where, you know, God is there and you get to hug his neck. I, I kind of framed it there for them. I'm sitting at this table with them explaining it. And the one lady looks at the other lady and then she looks back at me and she looks at the other lady and she goes, we were just doing that. We, we were, we were having church (laughs) and, it struck me similar in the same, same way. of so like, when, when did the church tell people that they're not having church anymore? When, when did we try to stretch it out so much that if you didn't do all of these five, you know, you didn't have an opening prayer, you didn't have the, the scriptures, the red two songs more, or, or however, you know, you had communion in the front or the back or golly, don't mix that around, but then the sermon and then the call to it. Um, that's what it looks like. But this lady, it was just this place like, I, I was doing this? You know, again, that's that, there was a curiosity. And for me, it's led into a lot more of a conversation to the deeper, more beautiful parts of the gathering of God's people together and some of the other expressions and ways that we do that. But it just really struck me how, when did the church start telling people that they weren't a part of the church? Right. Where God is stuck in a building that we go meet him. Uh, at a certain hour once or twice a week yeah that's exactly i mean there are holy moments all over the place that um, we can invite people into god's presence and like you said there's no announcements there's no dismissing kids to children's church it's just being there with them and uh, having a moment where they they're learning about god in ways that they hadn't heard before and i remember uh when i was in grad school years ago sitting around the grad assistant office and um, one of the girls I was uh, in grad school with her, her fiance was there. And um, I can't remember how he got on the topic of religion and Christians, but he was just going off about people who believe in God and go to church and Jesus is awful. And, you know, I hate uh, hypocrites and went on and on this list of things. And 
and I leaned back in my chair and I said, have you, have you ever read um, the Bible before? He said, well, not really. I mean, not, you know, not, not serious. I've skipped through it. And I said, well, sometime you get a chance to read Matthew 23, because everything you said you don't like about religion and, and people who are hypocrites, Jesus is right on the same page with you, just right there. And um, he, he was kind of dumbfounded, like, oh, I have common ground with Jesus. That seems very. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there are moments like that, that um, we, we think are not, they don't count as many points with God because we're not in a building, yeah. but I think they may count even more. Yeah. And then, so that, and that, that's it. Right. And it's, this offering. And as I'm sharing my story about trying to say that God's kingdom can come near like this in certain ways, I have sat recently even at tables with someone and they're looking at me right across the table and they're like, this is church. And then there's this other part of me that says, but it's not, it's not the fullness of it. But I guess the part that I have a, a wrestling with is the people who it's been robbed from, from the people who have it. And then they just want to limit it themselves. They don't want to experience the larger gathering of God's people. And what I then say as, as it grows, and as we not give this up, I said, really, it's, it can be, and if this is what you want, it's falling short of the fullness of this glory, because what I really want is I want my kids to see you worship. I want, they see me, they see me read my Bible or say my prayers, but I want them to go, this is consistent. I see it here. I see it here. I see it here. I don't burden it alone. I, it shows it it's bigger than just one small thing. And we get to experience that together. And so, um, yeah, so it's like, I have this little wrestle with myself, but again, it's, I think we, we have to be able to start somewhere, not stick there. We might could start with a building, but don't stick there. We don't start in a building, but we don't just stay there. Jesus just moved around in places and he just was with people. Right. So it's, yeah, with people of all kinds. I remember we took uh, a group of adults and teens, college students to Honduras for, at least I was there for three summers. And um, one of the summers we were there, we, we uh, went to worship at a um, this really old, beautiful old building, but it was in disrepair. Somebody had taken it over kind of as a homeless shelter. And uh, we had worship that day. And we had uh, 20 some from our group in Little Rock and another 20 or 30 from a group in, in Tennessee and Kentucky there. And um, we kind of filtered in slowly and, and gathered around this big open air center in the middle of this uh, Honduran room. And we sang songs in, in uh, Spanish and English at the same time that had similar tunes, similar words, et cetera. Uh, but the moment that struck me the most, I was sitting up on the second floor balcony uh, watching down below, but they reach out to everybody and there were, um, several former prostitutes, uh, a couple of their pimps. Um, there were several ladies there who were not former prostitutes and, but they had come close to, to God through these people. And, um, when the communion was passed, it was one of those, uh, chilling moments where you see this plate going around with bread and with, with, um, this juice and and a lot of the american kids are like oh my word this this seems kind of jesus like all of a sudden <laughs> so on the bus ride back up the hill um you know there were lots of lots of swirling questions of you know why aren't we doing this kind of thing back at home why, why are we so church is this and life is that 
and uh, it doesn't need to be that dichotomy. What are your thoughts there, Joey? Well, you know, I think I've even said it here before. I, you know, when Jesus comes back, I don't think he's going to be um, at the biggest churches in the richest neighborhoods um, saying, here, come worship me. I think he's going to be in the alleyways and, and preaching to the people that sometimes we're, or t- maybe even just talking to the people that we're sometimes too scared to talk to. Um, I think that's exactly right that, you know, I mean, some of the things that's happened in my life, I've been very fortunate with, you know, the churches that I've gone to, they've had a great impact on me, but, you know, a lot of the things that I'll remember always are um, things outside the church, you know, things that you see, um, just genuinely kind things that people do. Um, you know, for Jesus or because of Jesus, I think those are those are just as important as as the actual church building itself. And you know, I've always well, not always, but past few years, I've always started to say that you know, the church or, church is the people, you know, not the walls. And so, um, I think that's important to remember as well. It is, and it's 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 getting over. It's, it's Romans twelve kind of stuff. Where Paul, I'm, I'm right there. Like I got that right pulled up. <laughs> In view of God's mercies and, and looking at what he's done for you, let that be the basis for the transformation of how you see yourself. And he goes on the rest of the chapter and says, this is how, how you live. Yeah. You know, you belong to yourself. Uh, see all people differently. Don't be ashamed to associate with people of low position. Use your, your, your gifts, your life, according to the grace that's been given you. And it's just so challenging. Um, we, in our former neighborhood where we moved from back in August, uh, there's a family down the street from us who um, they're pretty poor. They live in a rent house. There's a mom and a dad and seven kids that live there and two grandkids. And, um, you know, to be honest, when, the, when I first met them, I'm on the property under association board over there. And I was walking down the street one day and I see this couple of young kids walking down the street. And uh, I thought, oh, this is trouble. This is not good. And there'd already been trouble. I'd been some break-ins and stuff like that. And, um, you know, long story short, I had prayed to God, would you please get these people out of the neighborhood? Cause this is the last thing I want is trouble. Cause I'm getting calls from people like, Hey, can you fix this? Can you call the police for me? Like call the police. Anyways, um, fast forward a year or two, I baptized, uh, two of the young kids, the teens, and then their older sister, and uh, the older sister is uh, the one that has the two kids, the two grandkids. And we've known them now for some years. Uh, we're the godparents, as it were, of the younger kid. And um, you know, it's hard. It's so hard. We drive across the river to pick them up, take them to church with us. And uh, they often will come to our house here uh, after, after worship and have lunch with us. The, young kid, the oldest of the two kids is like three. And the youngest one is, is just a little over one. And... Um, my wife is wonderful with them because I'm, I'm exhausted by the time Sunday afternoon rolls around, but uh, you know, we're fighting them to eat and fighting them to not tear everything up in the house. But you know, I'm, it's the long picture of what's God doing in these people's lives uh, by just being with them and trying to help them get work, trying to help them deal with, you know, death in the family, deal with brother getting arrested and thrown in jail all sorts of crazy stuff. And um, that's just been a, a reminder that, you know, 
I struggle with the church stuff with folks wanting to have a big church and a big bottom line, lots of people coming into the pews, lots of healthy uh, contributions. And I don't think on the day that we meet Jesus, that he's going to be as impressed with that as he is with the stuff that you do with people like that. The least of these, what'd you do? Yeah. I, I love that. If I heard you correctly, you know, you, you prayed, get these guys out of the neighborhood. Right. But you got out of the neighborhood and right. you bring them to your house, which gets them out of the neighborhood and, right. you know, and transform lives and the, the patients. I mean, that's admirable and should be, you know, if you see Wade do this, do that. <laughs> it's that Paul thing. And we don't want to say that it is us, right? It is Christ. But I mean, you don't do this because you think it's a great idea. You do this because of the disciplines, the discernment, the holy discernment. Um, that's the Hebrews, right? That's how, I'm sorry, Romans, that's how that starts out. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern, right? What the will of God is. It's good. It's acceptable. It's perfect. And so, yeah, we, we look at that and we go, okay, I got some discerning to do. Your physical, I'm exhausted. I understand that. I want to go home and take a nap. <laughs> so, um, but there's that longevity. There's that time. If I'm thinking to any of the young folks out there, I think we would have to ask, give us some time. I mean, we, we really need that. And hopefully there's going to be those who maybe after 40 years, 20 years or so can catch a glimpse of it because you're helping remind them of that passion. But then also to all people or to the younger folks here is like, where do you go to for discernment? Do you have discernment in your life? Um, where do you get that from? Uh, I think also kind of part of the conversation uh, that, that was here in the, the text that I had um, was we can be influenced by a lot of other outside sources. There are other influences that say they're discerning, you know, the water cooler, you know, we get caught in those types of things. It might come out of emotion, but it starts to anchor some things and close doors of other things. And we can end up showing up to places and being more bitter and criticizing than we can even being productive on anything. Those things can be manipulated and turned away. And, and it's very tough. I'll say this way. It's very tough. I think we spoke about it last week. I've literally heard the media use the word for shame, for, for shame, for shame. You know, they're shaming people. And, and we probably all, if you're up to date on politics, <laughs> know what the context is. And I go, you know what? I get that. I, I hear that. That's kind of their go-to, right? That's, it's weird because they're supposed to be loving people or they say they love people, but now they're shaming people. And then just days later, a very predominant Christian leader in a large Christian organization and church background starts saying shame, shame on, and then lists out the people who were opposite of the guys who were shaming on the other side. I mean, two sides shaming. The world was shaming, but here's a Christian leader shaming. And I thought, wow, is this what we've come to? That those two parallels, right? They've just merged where Christians can shame, the world can shame. Where do we get our influences from? Uh, the world can give us that influence, <laughs> right? It's not holy discernment. So what would be some things? How do, how do we test and approve 
where our discernment is coming from. What do you think about that, uh, Wade or Joey? I think you got to turn down the noise. I think I've, I've reached that age in life. My kids always made fun of me for it. Um, when I'm driving around and I'm trying to find some place, I got to reach down up and turn the radio down. <laughs> How does that help you see? When you can, uh, <laughs> but it does. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just, you've got to be able to focus in ways that you, you know, when you, when you're not focused and grounded, you're easily distractible. Uh, you know, Psalm one, the whole picture of person who is in God, they're like a tree planted by the water and he has this progression of you're not standing, you're not walking, you're not sitting with uh, these people who are influencing in this other direction. Um, Cause if you're not aware of all the noise that's going on, you're going to find yourself elsewhere all of a sudden. I remember when I was young, uh, out of the lake in North Arkansas, um, we had this thing where you'd go swim out to the, the dock in the swimming area that's anchored out there. And uh, so we all jump in the water and we're swimming toward it. And uh, so I think I'm going to swim underwater and, and just pop up all of a sudden. And everyone else kept going and I was underwater. I couldn't see where I was going. It's dark in the lake. And when I popped up, I was way off course in a different direction because I wasn't paying attention to where I needed to be paying attention to. All my friends were already on the dock and here I was 20 feet on the other side of it. And um, I, I think it's just a matter of we, we don't have enough focus and clarity uh, that's part of the discipline is just making sure you've got time to, to rethink, reground. I get up every morning, I'm barely Christian, and, you know, the coffee's not ready yet. <laughs> and uh, I've got to sit and, and spend some time remembering who I am in God, remembering what he's done for me, remembering who he's made me in spite of me, um, you know, remembering that big story again. And I don't think a lot of the times we do that, we hit the ground running every day. And we check social media or check into what our friends say or check how we feel rather than what's the real picture here that I'm living in. And you've got to make time and you got to make it priority. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's terribly difficult. And, and we see studies of this, I think, even the, um, the addiction to our devices that we have, you know, we have health problems now because our heads are tilted at the wrong angle. Uh, because we're looking at a phone. And so we have these, these stresses now that are building up in our necks um, because our heads aren't meant to tilt. <laughs> we should be more upright. And coming up to this time of Lent, I know not, it's not been my past tradition to focus on it, but I'm, I've been learning and practicing some of the disciplines of, you know, giving something up to fast from this. And, um, I wouldn't ask any young person to fast from their phone for 40 days. They would probably go off charts, but I do think it's time to start risking the chance to say, you know, what are some things that I could be silent in? And, and then, you know, not to be silent and fill it up with something else, but that that's not God, but to be silent, to be able to hear God. Um, I'm, I'm trying to see a book I've got on my shelf, but it's under some other things. It's called, um, take my glasses off, uh, come creator spirit. It's by Ronaldo, uh, Cantala Mesa. He's the, he's the preacher who preaches to the Pope and he talks an awful lot about this. Uh, and then that's based off of a song that uh, is sung, but, um, he's talking of this moment of quiet time of rest, almost even sleep, 
but just this place, like you, you really have to have a quiet so that the Holy Spirit can come and, and then really refresh, fill you up. He does it more eloquently. And it's, it's fantastic. If I could have got it down, I would have read the quote, but how important that is and how greatly it's lost in the society that we live. We've got to know instantaneously. And we even look to how we feel based off an image that will only last a moment before the next one is up. And so it's like, it keeps changing, keeps evolving in a sense through seconds and times. We look to God's word. We dwell in that wrestle with it, chew on it. I think it's even okay to say, don't get it. It's mysterious. Doesn't make sense. Read Leviticus or numbers and tell me you get it. I don't, I just, just did. But, um, I go, you know what? Okay. That's, that's fine. Something is there and it was something for people. And maybe I just need to be still. Uh, but it is a, it is not the feeling that I want. It is a discipline in the other parts, but I just, I feel like we have a challenge. And so I'm looking, you know, for any of our young folks that are listening and college age students or such, or Joey, young guy, Joey. I mean, you, you talked about Wade. I, I think you're a little bit more holier than I am uh, that you get up while the coffee's making and you're discerning and thinking through and remembering the God story. I'm like, coffee, it's got to go faster. <laughs> Once the coffee is ready, then there's the new amen, you know, <laughs> a, right. a, amen begins after the coffee. And then I kind of get going. Right. Um, but yeah, we have missed out on um, where we pull from and, and filling up that discernment uh, where we get that from yeah we've our uh, our youth group uh, one thing i like that they've done in the last 10 years is they challenge usually during lent we ask the kids to for one week um, their families to give up something for the week and the priority is give up your phone and then you know if you can go farther give up television give up whatever else you can and the first few times it was done everyone was kind of like laughing like okay we'll do that and they couldn't do it. It was tough. Um, we even tried some stuff where I think at some specific youth events, uh, they said, let's put your phone in a box and you just can't have it for an hour. And there were some kids who literally kept looking back over at the box. Like I really need to go see the phone. Um, once they got into it over, over a couple of years, uh, you know, they can do it a little bit easier, but there, there's this, um, it's like when you're leaning up against a wall and suddenly the wall falls, uh, you've got all this energy you've been leaning up against the wall. And then suddenly when it's gone, you don't know what to do with all that energy. Yeah. I've worked with some different folks who have um, different issues, OCD, et cetera, occasionally. And one of them uh, just recently reached out to me and said, Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at a place right now where I'm feeling like I'm in the doldrums. I don't, you know, I'm feeling kind of apathetic, like life is boring. It's just going through the motions. And uh, this is someone who oftentimes has these extreme periods of high and focus in on and, and concern about things. They get depressed, they get anxious. And I've been trying to help them develop the discipline of just, just be, just don't worry about stuff. Do your job, love your spouse, do life. And um, so they've been doing it. And so this week they, he texted me and said, Hey, I've got this weird thing going on where I, I don't have any of these feelings. And is this a crisis coming on? <laughs> and I said, no, it's actually the good thing. 
<laughs> here's what you lean into. Lean into the good stuff. Enjoy, you know, foot on the stairs, shoulder to the wheel. You're made for just life. And you don't have to have this addiction of emotion and focus on anxiety and stuff. And I think that's a part of our, you know, guarding our heart, uh, the wellspring of our life is that um, we're not, we're not in our, in a culture that encourages that. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'm not certain how long we've been going, but I think we've been at least coming up to about an hour. So if we have some wrap up here, um, one, you know, this is, first off, it's been great. Um, we probably could have a whole nother of this conversation in the world, you know, out of the world. It, it very relevant, you know, today, it's just probably something we're missing. And, um, but how could we wrap up a little bit of um, what could be a first start? Again, I, Lent starts this next Wednesday. And so this is uh, Ash Wednesday coming up after um, uh, Valentine's Day here on Sunday. And so we've, we've talked a little bit about on our side, what are some things, you know, we don't want to just set people up for failure, but we can set some things up for people to consider. So if we could do some drawing from this, you know, what can we pull out of this well right now? Uh, things that help us in our discernment, things that help us from where we're going to for that, that head and, and the heart. Um, what are some thoughts, Joey? Wade, what do you guys think? Where could we, where, where could we simply start today? I think what Wade suggested what, that he does every morning uh, is great. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily have to be 30 minutes. I think start with five and there's no noise, no phone in your hand. Um, just sit and listen, sit and pray, read uh, a Bible chapter. You can easily read uh, especially, you know, if you want to start in Matthew, I mean, you could start reading a few verses or a full chapter in, in five minutes. I think that's, I think that would be a good start. Yeah. I worked with recovery groups for a few years. And one of the things that I learned working with these guys is the way which benefited them the most was most of them every morning, um, they'll literally get on the floor, they'll slide off the bed and get on the floor on their knees and uh, spend time praying and reminding themselves, you know, what they're doing, uh, centering themselves, because it's real easy, especially if you're someone who's an addicted, a, a, an addict, to just get up and go with whatever feelings you've got. And um, man, it's valuable to them. It's grounded them. And, and, you know, some of them a year, 10, 20 years later are saying, this saved my life, is mm -hmm. just being plugged back into God and making it a part of my life all the time. And they also set up a structure, uh, which we've used that in some small groups where when you're having a hard time, you can reach out to somebody and say, hey, I'm just, my thought life is crazy today. Remind me of who I am again. Um, you know, whatever the words are that's appropriate to that relationship. But mm -hmm. you're setting up a personal structure, but also a community of people who are walking with you. And there's no shame in reaching out to them and saying, man, I need, I need help. Well, everybody, um, the ground beneath grace is really just a place for all of us to ask questions, to search, to discover uh, the story, the narrative of God in our lives. And really, sometimes um, we think we know it, but we're just taking a great guess at it. God knows. And he's right there reaching out for all of us. He's close to us. He's close to you. And um, very, very, very patient. And so just uh, know that. Um, and uh, we will... Be with you guys in the weeks to come. Bye-bye. Good job, Wade Poe. Great stuff, man.
Thank you for the invitation. I'd love to do it again sometime. Awesome. Thank you for listening to The Ground Beneath Grace. We hope to share a universal journey that leads to Jesus, who is the best picture of God we could ever get.